Freedom On! You're listening to the Longbox Crusade Podcast, Episode 22, featuring Firestorm 65, cover dated November of 1987. Welcome to the 22nd episode of the Longbox Crusade. I'm your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Chris Tatos. The Longbox Crusade is a podcast where each episode, a random cover month and year is chosen, and then an issue is selected from the over 20-plus Longboxes stashed away in my collection over the last 40 years. Each episode will summarize, review, and reminisce about the issue, ads, and events of that time period. Joining me, as always, is Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist. A.K.A. Death Pro. <laughs> I'll do it myself. That's not in the script. That's not in the script. You know, we've only done a couple of these podcasts. We'll get it. Well, hello, everyone. We're still noobs. Yeah, we're we're noobs. I am happy to be here. I used to combine with Delvin to do these shows, but uh, I'm going to combine with Jason now. What happened to me? I don't know. We got (laughs) uncombined. (laughs) We minus you. We minus you. That was the best bit I could come up with on the spot for today's episode. It'll do. Thank you. It'll do. Well, speaking about your better half, let's go ahead and see how Jason Albrecht, the Weasel Skull, is doing. (laughs) Shut up. I'm going to be quiet. I was wondering which of you was going to do it. Which of us? I already said it in my head. Well, I am doing just fine. I'm a little bit jet lagged. Got back from a nice vacation in Scotland where I wore a kilt, went to a wedding, saw some castles, toured the highlands, drove a car on the wrong side of the road for the better part of a week, and managed not to kill myself. And I'm back with a little bit of a head cold, but uh, looking forward to doing a show. Coronavirus. Yeah, probably is. <laughs> you were in the highlands? I where was, else? yeah. Where else? Yeah. Got your sheepskins on? <laughs> you know where I'm going with this. Yeah, Jokes for right. me and you. <laughs> was there only one there? I did. No, Pat. Jokes for me and you and Pat. <laughs> That's right. He got Pat that. I'm once just Dolores Ramirez, chief metallurgist to Queen Elizabeth of Spain, and I'm at your service. Jason, you had a goal, right? You wanted to see where uh, Sean Connery grew up. Did you achieve that goal? I didn't get to see the house. I was told that uh, there wasn't really anything to see and it was real far away. But I did learn uh, that he owns the, I think it's called the Balmora Hotel in the heart of the city. And I went and saw that. And they say, like, when he comes to visit, they just they just have a room for him there. And I, he just stays at the Royal Balmora, which is cool, man. He's balling. So I don't know why we can't get any goddamn rent from him. He's <laughs> <laughs> got his own hotel in Edinburgh. I did get to go see where Skyfall was filmed, and that was pretty cool. 
Cool. Excellent. Well, let's also go ahead and see what is up with Delvin Williams, a.k.a. Dark Web. Unchanged since 2017. The sound effect remains. Sound effect If I have to come up with a bit about the comic book, and I don't, since that's not necessarily a Lombard's Crusade thing or a Crusader Chronicles thing, I would say that I suppose that Firestorm has something in common with the Gap Band. Drop the bomb or drop the bomb? <laughs> <laughs> I'll just sing it. <laughs> I'll drop the bass on it like bah, bah, bah. <laughs> you don't need any original music. We can just make our own. Well, with introductions out of the way, let's go ahead and get into what's everybody's current crusade. It's been a little bit, so let's find out. Jared, what's your current crusade? Man, my current crusade is these book page sketches. Yeah, I'm a sketching fool. If you follow me on social media at Yard Sale Artists, you'll notice I've been doing a lot of them. They've just gotten very popular. Tons of commissions. I'm still doing some for Heroes Con. I have my uh, pre-con sketch list is still open. So if this episode drops before Heroes Con and you need in on this book page thing, just, you know, find me on social media at Yard Sale Artists, and I'm doing a ton of them. So thanks for letting my crusade be my commercial. For this episode mm-hmm. also check out the yard sale artist.com i was just gonna ask that. i was just gonna ask that where <laughs> there's they... no book page sketches on the yard sale artist.com but you can see my other works there book page sketches are just they just keep flying in via social media requests and that's really the best way and and like i said they're all over my feed so if you want to take a look at them there they are very cool very cool jason what's your current crusade well after returning from vacation and finding out that the new James Bond movie's been postponed till November, I think I'm just going to go ahead and cryogenically freeze myself until November. <laughs> just going to go all in like Han Solo, you know, like, woo! <laughs> Hang me on a wall and then just thaw me out in November so I can see this GD movie. <laughs> yeah. I know, I com- Jason. I know. <laughs> I have a comment about this as well. Loosely ties into the Longbox Crusade. I wrote my latest newsletter article on The Mandalorian, and I was watching it with musical genius Joe November, and we had to laugh because in the very early episode, very beginning, he catches you guys somebody. Binge it? Yeah, pretty you much. You and Joe? Did it two days. Yeah, we did it two days. Yeah. Wow. Um, Just you and Joe on the coach? Yeah, pretty much. Chilling? Chilling. So Mandalorian catches this dude and carbonites him right there on his ship. Mm-hmm. And we were like, man, the carbonite technology's come really far in just a few years. I was like, Darth Vader needed like three rooms in a basement for his carbonite freezing <laughs> technology. This dude's got an onboard ship. Like 16 Ugnos running around yeah. there, too. <laughs> I know, right? Goodness. It really moved fast. Anyway, that's a nerd joke for everybody out there. <laughs> Good observation, though. Star well, Wars. Devil, since, since all that just went over your head, tell us what your current crusade is. My current crusade would be that I recently did a jujitsu tournament for the first time. And that was probably one of the more exhausting things that I've ever done in my life. Jared, even though you can't see him, is doing a made-up kata, which has absolutely nothing to do with jujitsu. <laughs> Just wanted to add that. Hmm. But he looks pretty cool doing it. Does look, he looks Power Ranger-ish, I would say. <laughs> I would say he looks more like Welcome Power Back Ranger. Kata. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I said he looked well, more that- like doing it like welcome back, Kata. Welcome back. Ah, I just said welcome. That was lame. <laughs> they they can all be winners, but it's okay. No. Hats on low sleep, everybody. Yeah. Just so you guys know. 
Yeah. Did you do a superhero pose when it was all over? That's what yeah. I wanted. Did you strike did you? a pose? I did not strike a pose. I may you have do the Black Panther. You did do the Spider Man. No. Just stand over there leering at the guy when yeah. you like, no like eat eat my <laughs> did I say good. you could get up? <laughs> did I say you could get down? <laughs> Anybody That's got any more not- jokes here? Uh, Hadouken! <laughs> of me, so I, I did not do any of that. But you did win. And, I heard you won. You're about. Uh, it was a one guy, and we did two uh, the best two uh, out of three, and I lost the first match and won the next two. Nice. So that means Cinematic. I won two out of three. I like it. Didn't mean it that way. I would much rather have won the first two and been done with it. I would have been less tired, that's for sure, because it took mm. me days to recover. But I'm going to be doing it again uh, in the near future, most likely. Cool. I'm going to remind Delvin of something he may have forgotten about. Way back in college, there was a pugil stick thing. We like teamed up with the Army, and they taught us how to pugil stick fight. And Delvin and I went into pit together, and it was best two out of three. And he lost the first round and won the next two. So you have a long history of doing this. <laughs> oh, He's no, probably I about that. Yeah, you what? You beat me. I was all like, after I won the first round, I was like, I got this, and then I got my <laughs> That's Delvin's demo. He De- uses round a, one to feel you yeah. out. It's very yeah, clever. he's a jujitsu shark. Mm-hmm. It's like a pool shark, but in jujitsu. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you, you beat my. Man, uh, shark. How, how about we put a little money on that? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> See, I like it. Yes, I, I will pretend that that's exactly why I lost the first one. Was the, yeah, <laughs> the you shark study, you know your moves. A little double or nothing. How about that? Well, that's awesome. That is awesome. What you've been doing? I know you're waiting for someone to ask. What's your crusade? I really wasn't because. <laughs> 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 just one long, just just one long bleep for Pat. He's like, ah. <laughs> <laughs> thought I was getting away with it, but I guess not. Um, not much really going on with me. Um, as you guys know, it's been quite a busy month for me right now with work. So, I, like Jared said, a very little sleep in the last few four or five days. So, just happy to be here with you guys. So, my crusade was getting through those days so I can spend this time with you. Oh. oh, are mm-hmm. you talking to have us you, or to the audience? Both. No, okay, <laughs> okay, all right, that's fair. That's fair. Did, have you started any of the um, any I'm of the looking. Star Wars books that you were talking about reading? I ain't got time for that. Um, no, I haven't. I was gonna start to, and then I didn't get a chance. So, all right. But I want How about to. the James Bond books. If you start, Rebel <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you illiterate mother. <laughs> <laughs> I've been doing. Oh, I've I've gotten some comic books read periodically, so I'm I'm trying to get some other comics read um, as well too. So I have um, read nothing but Firestorm number six. I brought actually. I brought a a new uh, graphic novel that was done by uh, Garth Ennis and um, artist for Captain America. Uh, with Steve Epting? Steve Epting, and it was a World War II novel about a female Russian sniper. And it was awesome. Oh, it was really good. I lied a little bit. I started reading Josh Blaylock's Operation Nemesis. This has got oh, you okay. written yeah, all yeah, over, yeah. Jason. Oh, this is a historically true comic about the guy who murdered the guy that did the Armenian genocide. Like oh. he, he murdered him and got caught on purpose, so it would all get brought out in court. Fascinating. Interesting. Sounds good. Yeah. Sounds like very similar type type. Like he shot the guy on the street and just waited for the cops to come. I was like, yeah, I just killed that guy. (laughs) And here's why. 
go to court. <laughs> All right. Well, I think with that, why don't we go ahead and get started with the show? But before we do, we want to invite you to be a part of the show by submitting your comments and memories, which will be read later on in the show. All links and pictures for this episode are in the show notes, which can be found at the website longboxcrusade.com. Please add the podcast to your favorite podcast feed or on iTunes. You can also follow the podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by the handle at longboxcrusade. We hope you come along with us on this crusade to read them all. Now, before we get started with this episode's issue, let's take a quick podcast promo break from a friend of the show, and we will be right back. I hope he's home. Why does it sound like I'm using a phone in the UK? I told you never to call me again. Yeah, I know. And modern science has yet to create a device to measure how much I don't care. Look, I'm getting the trailer for this year's JL May together, and I assumed I had to make you a part of it since you're always in everybody's trailer or something. <laughs> well, look at you leading this year's JL May. Somebody's wearing his big boy pants. So what's the theme? I sent you an email like a month ago. Like I even pay attention to anything you send me. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. Infinite Crisis? No, Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I'm not following. Shocking. The theme this year, I'm, I'm going to, like I'm talking to a child. The theme this year is Countdown to Infinite Crisis. I thought it was a fascinating time period in DC's history. So a bunch of us are getting together to talk about the various specials and miniseries and crossovers that led up to Infinite Crisis. It's the event before the event. The whole thing is going to kick off on April 30th, 2020, with a special episode of Views from a Long Box covering the Countdown to Infinite Crisis 80-page giant. And from there, a whole bunch of shows that I will be adding in post-production will discuss these previously mentioned miniseries and crossover issues. And people actually agreed to this? Shockingly, yes. Well, it's probably a good thing that you're going to cover Countdown to Infinite Crisis instead of the Countdown series, because that was a train wreck. Yeah, you know, actually, that was my thinking, too. Now, are you going to help me with this trailer or not? Fine. I will help you with your little trailer. Good. Uh, don't worry, by the way. There won't be any dates for you to get wrong. I hate you so much. JL May 2020. Countdown to Infinite Crisis. The event before the event. This crossover kicks off on April 30th, 2020. On Views from the Long Box. And continues into Aquaman and Firestorm, the Fire and Water podcast, Robin, Everyone Loves the Drake, Pop Culture Affidavit, It All Comes Back to Superman, The Fan Holes Podcast, Justice's First Dawn, The Birds of Prey Podcast, Married with Comics, The Coffee and Comics Podcast, The Longbox Crusade, Task Force X, Relatively Geeky Presents, Wonder Woman, Warrior for Peace, and the Dr. DC Podcast. Welcome back from the break. 
Today's adventure from the Longbox is Firestorm number 65, cover dated November of 1987. The credits for this issue is provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was DC, got a cover date of November 1987, but its on sale date was August 4th, 1987. Cover price was just 75 cents. Editor was Denny O'Neill. Writer is John Ostrander. Penciler, Ross Andrew. Inker, Roy Richardson. Letterer. No, no. no. <laughs> I wanted it to be. It wasn't. It wasn't. It's Ross Andrew without Esposito. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I, I was sorry. I was on Richardson already. I'm like, what are you doing for Richardson? <laughs> it's, not, it's just not Esposito. No, it's just not. Letterer is Duncan Andrews. Colorist is Nancy Houlihan. Cover credits go to Ross Andrew and Anchor, the one, the only friend of the show, John Beatty. Woohoo! Oh, yeah. Well, speaking about that amazing cover, let's go ahead and get a cover description by Jared. I'm happy to do it. The problem with having a wireless mouse is you think it works with everything. So I'm staring at the script and I'm, I'm scrolling this mouse wheel down. <laughs> this works with the computer, not with the iPad. <laughs> computer. Why won't this go? Anyway. <laughs> Before I get into the quick cover description, I was able to sit down with John and ask him a little bit about his work on this particular cover. He did indeed get to ink the amazing and classic artist, Ross Andrew. So I got to sit down with John just for a few minutes to kind of get his take on what that was like and his general thoughts on the firestorm. And uh, well, you can listen for yourself. All right, John, welcome to the Longbox Crusade again. <laughs> oh, thank you, Jared. <laughs> this episode, we were talking about Firestorm the Nuclear Man number 65, where you inked Ross Andrew on the cover. You and I have talked on the side before about this, and you kind of indicated to me that this was very sort of a quick job handed to you. How did that kind of thing work back in the day for DC? Number one, like I told you, I don't even remember doing the cover until you showed it to me. And then I said, oh yeah, I did do that. And <laughs> yeah, it's one of those deals where sometimes you just get like a call and I guess I got one and said, hey, would you like to ink a Firestorm cover? And it's like, well, yeah, sure. I'd never inked Ross Andrew and being my first and only job over him, it's probably not my best because I didn't have much experience over inking him. So, you know, each penciler, you, you need a, a few pages or maybe an issue or two to really begin to understand and read their pencils, so to speak, and ink. Right. So, yeah, I, it was kind of uh, interesting. I have remembered since you've shown it to me, though, that I have signed it at a couple of conventions. And it's very weird when that comes up because my first inclination is, what is this doing in the stack of books I'm signing? <laughs> then and you then I look at it and go, name. oh, yeah. <laughs> and I see my name signed on it. And I'm like, oh, it's that, you know. <laughs> and I've had a few other oddball things come up like that where I've even had a G.I. Joe cover that I inked over Mike Zek or was it a Captain America? I think it was a Captain America cover. Mike Zek has been sitting next to me and I tell people, oh, that's not me, that's McLeod. I'll hand it back to him <laughs> and they'll be like, oh, I thought this was you and I'll be like, no, that's Bob and I'll be like, he's sitting right over there if you want him to sign it. Then the person will come back and say, Bob said this is you and then Mike will go like, that's you and then 
I wind up signing it. So <laughs> it's very odd. And, you know, that one G.I. Joe cover, it's like, I'm sure I've been at conventions when I'm by myself and I've got the stack of books and I'm signing for someone and I just, you know, when I come to it, I put it aside and go, oh, that's Bob McLeod's inking, not mine. <laughs> So it was fairly common practice for you to just kind of get a call and say, hey, we need this cover inked or, or a few pages. Just that happened a, a fair amount back in the late 80s, did it? Well, I never really got a call to ink just a few pages of something because oh, okay. the editors, I think, kind of knew I was not that guy that was just going to take on two or three pages to ink overnight. That was not my goal, was mm. to become the uh, pinch hitter uh, <laughs> for other people. So I never got into that trap, and I know people that did, and then that's how they spent, you know, 10, 15 years. I, was I just, hey, I've got three pages in that issue, or I've got five pages, or I ain't half of that issue. I never liked that. Now, there are a few oddball jobs that I knew going in that I was going to ink half, mm. and one of them, actually both of them, I think, were split between Brett Breeding and I, and one of them was a Black Widow job in a issue of Marvel Fanfare, penciled by George Perez, and the other one was a, I think it was an Amazing Spider-Man with the little spider kid who had like the Doc Ock spider arms. Oh. And that was over Ron Frenz's pencils. And I was approached by the editor that, you know, we need this ink and you only have to do half. If you do half, we're going to have Reverie. Would you be interested? And something like that, you know, I would pick that up a half issue or something on occasion if I could fit it in just for extra money. And the funny thing is, both of those issues, I've seen them at conventions, especially the one with the little, you might even want to look this up just so you can tell the people. It's got the little spider kid on it, little heavy set kid with almost Doc Ock tentacle type arms. So he literally is like Spider Boy or something. Huh. So yeah, I mean, the first time I remember this happening, I was probably a year, maybe two into my comics career of inking. And I got a call from, I forget the editor, but whoever the Spider-Man editor was, at the t I think it was a Spider-Man editor. And uh, Ramita Jr. had wanted to see me ink a couple of covers over him. And was I interested in doing that? And I said, yeah. So mm -hmm. I inked those. Let's see, what other oddballs since we're on that topic? Let me just... <laughs> Let me go off on this rabbit hole real quick for you. <laughs> I know that I think there was a Power Man Iron Fist, or at least a Luke Cage cover that I inked. Huh. For a few over Ed Hannigan, there was a, uh, I think it was an Avengers cover with, is it the, um, it's not the Black Mask. It's the guy who's kind of made a comeback, but um, he used to wear more of a, a knight's headdress. Oh, the Black Knight. Black Knight, right. Yeah. I think even Ed Hannigan penciled the Luke Cage cover. Okay. I think it was, if it wasn't Hannigan, I'm mistaken, but interesting to note that I think it was around 88, 89, I wound up inking Ed Hannigan on the first five issues of Legends of the Dark Knight. So. Ooh, and we will talk about that in a future episode, I almost guarantee right. you. <laughs> I almost guarantee you. So, Firestorm is definitely one of your oddballs. That's something you just yeah, got thrown. And like I said, that totally, if you hadn't brought it to my attention, it could have been one of those ones that just fall off my radar, and I, I'm never going to think about it again, because I can't even tell you now how it came about whether I was maybe up in the area and they asked hey you know you want to take this cover and, and ink it or if they actually called and mailed it down and I mailed it back oh so you don't even have a memory of how long you had to do it did you have to do it quick no. or not you just like okay either way it would not have been quick 
it would have been something I would have either picked up in the office or maybe they just, I was walking by and they were like, hey, John, in the mood to ink a Firestorm cover or a Ross Andrew? And I would have maybe looked at it and said, yeah, sure. <laughs> and I would have took it back to Mike Zach's place, inked it, and then either mailed it back or brought it back in maybe the following week when we were going back into Marvel and DC. And if I was here in Florida, they would have called me, asked me if I wanted to do it. They would have FedExed it down. I would have inked it and FedExed it back. Now, this would have been in the late 80s. You were very well established and, and well known. Was there still any magic, you know, to the thought of inking Ross Andrew? Or had you been in the business enough to where it was just more like a job? It depends. Ross Andrew is one of those guys that I remember following his run on Spider-Man and enjoying it very much. I thought he was a very good Spider-Man artist. Oh, yeah. So, you know, when you have a chance to ink somebody that you kind of followed you know as a fan and then you get a chance to ink them it's quite an honor all things considered i would have preferred it to have been a spider-man cover but right. i think he was not getting i don't know if he wasn't getting work at marvel anymore at this point or maybe he was not under contract and started doing some stuff for dc because they probably started offering him work or what yeah he i think he ended up penciling this whole book by the way he's his pencils oh, yeah? throughout yeah he penciled the whole issue in the interior the interior inks were by Roy Richardson. Oh, okay. I know Roy. Yeah, that's interesting. So, like I said, I have no real memory of... <laughs> of I, I know there's a uh, an airplane on it. <laughs> yes, yes. Got a couple airplanes. That vaguely. <laughs> and there's a big target on there. Right. We discussed the cover and that we really liked that target effect. Did that come as part of it or was that something that you added? No, I'm sure he had it penciled in there. Oh, okay. Nowadays, that probably would have been like some sort of fancy overlay hold or something. Yeah. Or back in that day, you know, you pretty much had a few tricks you could use, but... <laughs> Get out the templates. <laughs> yeah, or, you know, you could do an overlay and they could do a color hold on it, but I don't think that was requested by the editor or, or penciled on another piece of paper by Ross, so I just did what was asked of me, and that was the ink to cover. Well, that's awesome. Every episode on Chronicles we cover, an old Spider-Man we're going through, and we are definitely in the Ross and Esposito era, and, and those two make a great team, so I definitely get what you were saying earlier about getting into rhythm with someone. I think Ross and Esposito had a rhythm that was great. And we're big fans of Esposito here. Did you ever get to meet with Esposito or ever work with him on anything? Mm, no, I never did. Ah, that's um, a shame. I don't know if he was actually coming in to the offices to turn in pages or just mailing them. I don't know where he lived. I assume he was probably, like most people, he was maybe uh, somewhere up north. You know, a lot of people in comics would kind of live in Connecticut because it was close enough to go into the city but not be in the city proper. And then there were a lot of other people that either lived in Manhattan or one of the surrounding boroughs or something. But that was never asked of me that you need to move up here. I think it was a, I think you could do it. And that's what Mike Zek did. He did it as a personal choice, but he didn't want to live directly in the city. But he wanted to have access to it so that he could go in and out to the offices and also see concerts and stuff like that while he was in there. Me, I'm a warm weather guy, so the thought of moving <laughs> north never appealed to me at all. <laughs> so you stayed in Florida and then every once in a while you'd go up there and you said you'd perhaps work at Zek's place. Was he one of these Connecticut guys? Well, not originally. He's originally from Florida too. But right. I just, yeah, there. his place 
up there. Yeah, he moved up there into Connecticut once he started getting semi-regular work from Marvel, just so that he could show up and turn in pages and have those face-to-face conversations with the editors and other freelancers and whoever else was around at the time. And it's probably not a bad idea. I probably would have enjoyed it because I would usually go up one summer trip and one winter trip and hang out at Zex for four to six weeks. And we would usually go into the city at least once a week. And, you know, if we had to go by Marvel and DC, we would. Sometimes we'd go by DC just to say hello to the people that we knew there. Because most of the time, Mike and I were working at Marvel and we really didn't have anything for DC, but we knew DC people. So it was close enough to where we could just hop on a train and <laughs> head over that way and pop in and say hello. And Somebody hands you, you know, a firestorm cover. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I, that was probably, I'm trying to remember, on the indicia on that, or even on the cover, it might say 89 or something. It says November of 87. November of 87. That seems like the Punisher time to me, so that may have just been one of those things that it hit me at the right time, and I was like, yeah, I can fit a cover in. It's a great cover. I mean, for not getting into rhythm with the pencil, I think you guys made a very good product. As I think you'll see on this episode, we all discussed it, and we all spoke very favorably about it. I appreciate that. I'm sure uh, a lot of it had to do with Ross's pencils. <laughs> Just, I guess, one final question for you. This is being, I think, your only Firestorm worker. You might have caught him as a side character here or there. I'm not sure. But like an issue of Firestorm. How do you feel about the character and his design? I know you're big on, on designs and characters and usually have things to say. What do you think about the design of, of Firestorm? Uh, not a fan. Not a fan? Are you the first guy I've ever met that's not a fan of the design of Firestorm? Nah. Not really a fan. My buddy Raphael Cannon did a nice run on Firestorm. Pat Broderick did a good run on Firestorm. I don't know. Hey, just he's one of those guys that <laughs> you'll like this pun. I never warmed up to. <laughs> um, it was those blousy sleeves, wasn't it? Those poofy sleeves. Yes. Well, it was. It was the whole thing. You know, I mean. It, I have no idea who designed the costume, but it seemed like there could have been something. You know, the blousy sleeves didn't help. (laughs) All the circles and ovals and little fireballs on the costume was a bit busy. Oh, I see. Yeah, I can see where that could get tiresome (laughs) of drawing. I mean, it's no jack of hearts busy, but... And even the headdress was kind of weird, you know? It's like if he's going to have a flaming head, you know, I guess, I don't know. Could have just had his, that may have been too close to Human Torch, so I was going to say he could just have his, his whole head turned to fire, you know? Yeah, he's got that fire hairdo. Right, that's what I'm talking about. You yeah, know? Like, I hear you. It's kind of like shooting out of like a toilet bowl or something. <laughs> Well, you're officially the first person I've ever met that's not a big fan of the design. I'm sure there's more out there, but I understand. It's, you know, design appeals to different people. But you did a great job of inking him. And, well, uh, thank you. We definitely appreciate your time. Where can our listeners find you on the internet? Do you have things you'd like them to be aware of? Yeah, if they just basically just put in my name or put in John Beatty Art, and you will more than likely find me on your favorite social media and or other platform. I do know. I will plug. I do know he does a really cool live show on YouTube. So check that out. John Beatty Art on YouTube. And he's pretty accessible on social media. He's a nice guy and he's happy to check. You know that, and I will say the only thing I haven't switched over when I started my YouTube, it was just John Beatty. I could go back in and change it to art, but they're like, 
there's some YouTube police or something. I'm, I'm afraid it, it'll take all the videos away or people won't be able to, any bookmarks or anything will be gone. So it's like, it's just John Beatty. But if you put in John Beatty art, I'll come up. Yep, he certainly will. Don't confuse him with the strong man, although John's a strong guy. Well, you know, that's, that's exactly right. And that's one of the reasons I got to thinking like, you know, because he had a channel on there way before I did. When he was on the America's Got Talent, he was putting up some video clips. And I'm like, how come he never just took, you know, YouTube.com slash John Beatty? So that was available. So I got it. And I'm like, well, everything else is John Beatty art or at John Beatty art. So maybe I should do it. And I went to looking into changing it. I guess the fear is if you throw it back out into the wild, someone else can come and get it. And be an imposter. Exactly. So (laughs) although I know the domain, my website domain is johnbeattyart.com, which needs a lot of love and attention right now. As we speak on April 1st, 2020. (laughs) But I know when I got my first domain, I went with Big Beatty, which was my nickname given to me by Doug Minch. (laughs) And I wasn't thinking, this was back in 96, I should have probably got John Beatty because it was probably available. But now some insurance guy has it. (laughs) You know, I'm not going to be able to call him and go, hey, wondering if I could just you know, take that domain from you and you could get a johnbeattyinsurance.com or something. <laughs> we'll have to see how that works out. Yeah, I, I don't think he needs some money. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Well, thanks again for being here, John. I'm sure you'll be back again soon. All right, Jared. Thanks, man. Thank you. Once again, that was John Beatty. You want to thank him for being on the show and for being a friend of the mm-hmm. show. And I will now get into that cover description. Here we go. It's the classic 80s DC bullet logo in the top left corner, and the title of the comic officially changes on this regular issue. Well, technically, it changed on annual number five that came out right before this issue, but the title is now Firestorm the Nuclear Man, where up until this issue, the series had been called Fury of Firestorm. So this is a rebranding moment for the character. Anyway, the new title logo is appropriately red letters on a yellow background. The main action features Firestorm himself battling three military jets, destroying one as two more are inbound. To make the action more tense, the nuclear man has a combat-style crosshairs image targeting him. A cover blurb reads, He's only been alive an hour, so why are they trying to kill him? For today's cover sound effects, I got Pat on the laser blast that he's using to blow up the jet. Delvin, you are on jet sounds. And Jason, you are the tone sound as if that that reticle is getting lock on. Three, two, one, go. Excellent. I felt like I was, uh, that, that could have been a sound clip from Top Gun. Mm-hmm. That's great. I don't mean to brag, but I feel like I did the best. <laughs> you were the Top Gun of the sound effects. That's right. I felt the need, the need to read Firestorm number 65. <laughs> you can be our wingman. Any day. <laughs> you guys want to take our shirts off, play some volleyball? No. No? Okay, it's a no. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, let's save that for heroes kind. Okay. Play some volleyball. Shortless. Some two on two volleyball. Yeah. Did you say shortless? <laughs> shortless? <laughs> I'm like, you said shortless. I was like, whoa. Hey, well, we'll see. <laughs> Winner takes them all. <laughs> <laughs> 
balls, but it should be on this set. And speaking about winning them all, let's go ahead and see what everybody thinks about the cover. We'll start with Jason. Well, I really like this cover. I've never been a big Firestorm fan. haven't really read any of the books, but this one drew me right away. I love the kind of powder blue background. It really juxtaposes nicely with the reds and yellows uh, and the orange of Firestorm. I like the logo, too, with the little atomic structure kind of woven into the Firestorm name. I thought that was a neat little touch. And I always really appreciate it. We talked about this before. When the artist makes an attempt to actually represent a military jet correctly, and he's done that here uh, as well. So all in all, this is a pretty strong cover for me. What do you think, Delvin? I like it. You got the crosshairs, and that crosshairs is always a cool effect for a cover because it's the thing is bringing your attention to something, and it's bringing it to Firestorm. Firestorm has always had a traditionally good look, and I always liked his costume too. Think the costume's pretty cool. Got jets in the back, zoom zoom. Overall, a lot of cool stuff. I think it's a cool cover. What do you think, Jared? Uh, echo what you guys say. A lot of energy, great use of color. It's Ross Andrew, amazing penciler, being inked by friend of the show, John Beatty. Uh, I'm looking here at my autograph copy by John. Oh, <laughs> I know we don't do a lot of music on the show, but I'm so fancy. <laughs> Jason has a nail on the head. The Jets look good. Delvin with the crosshairs. I, I like the layout. I like the design. Strong cover. Makes me interested to see what's going on. Bring it home, Pat. Well, I think you three had said just about everything I would say as well. I do like the colors on this. It makes everything pop with the new logo that you mentioned, it's definitely got that 80s vibe with the flare out on the, the F and the M like uh-huh. that. It reminds uh-huh. me like a like I'm looking at some rock band's logo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I play keyboards for Firestorm. Firestorm. And where's Nuclear Man? Yeah. <laughs> it wants to pull you in to start reading this as well with the word blurbs on here as well, too. So I'm interested in seeing what's going to happen to him. And you can see, to me, and we'll get into this later on as we discuss the story, is Firestorm looks a little different to me mm. in the facial area. Mm. Interesting. So I think well, he was different. Mm. Exactly. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. Yeah. Speaking about getting into it, why don't we go ahead and do that right now with some story synopsis brought to you by Delvin. title of this book is Fallout. For this issue, I'm going to go with the theme of equivalence. Pat, equivalence means just about equal to or in amounts or, or degree. We good? What? <laughs> yes. Let's get started. Okay, I'm ready. All right. Firestorm apparently it's a bomb dropped on them by the US of A. This would be the equivalent to Hiroshima or Nagasaki, I suppose. That isn't very funny. 
The nuke did nothing at all to Firestorm, but apparently did make him drowsy or wonky or something. The U.S. of A. sends the Army in to open fire on Firestorm after giving him approximately 0.3 seconds to surrender. They attacked him with conventional weaponry. This after dropping a nuke on him didn't work. The equivalence to this would be the bad guys throwing a gun at George Reeves' Superman after the bullets didn't work. Firestorm evades the weaponry and disarms the tanks. The U.S. of A. sends the Air Force in to do what the Army couldn't. Hoorah! <laughs> After several attempts fail, Firestorm sends a plane on fire, or sets a plane on fire, but saves the pilot by recreating his parachute. The equivalent would be Goose and Top Gun, minus the broken neck. Oh. <laughs> oh, your jokes are so depressing tonight. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> then the helicopters come. No effect. Then they launch seeking missiles. Guess what happens? The equivalent would be tr- me trying to hit on Tyra Banks. Zero success rate. Firestorm turns the heat-seeking missile on the pilot in the plane, but saves the pilot. Finally, the Army general in charge negotiates with Firestorm that the U.S. will begin talks with Russia to disarm if only Firestorm himself stops trying to disarm the Russians' missiles. The general's tactic is equivalent to a line from the big hit. Give the man a cigar. Firestorm relents and disperses into two people. One is Ron, an American who laments and regrets, or who has laments and regrets. The equivalent is Mikhail or Pozar, who has regretskis. <laughs> I sold out for a cheap joke there. Oh, yeah. Apparently, the professor part of Firestorm is dead for the 315th time in Firestorm's history. The book ends with the army talking with some creepy Russian dude. No, I have no idea who he is. The equivalent would be a shrug emoji. Back to you, Pat. Well, Delvin, thank you for that burning synopsis. It warmed me up. All right. Well, let's find out what you guys thought about the story. And we'll start with Jared. I really like the story. I'm a huge fan of Firestorm overall. I think it's interesting that on a random book bowl, because this was legitimately random, that we got a real turning point issue. We got where the book got rebranded as Firestorm the Nuclear Man, as we mentioned in the cover description. And we got the point where he started merging with the Russian superhero guy instead of Professor Stein. Mm -hmm. To me, that is what sells Firestorm every single time. The adventures of every superhero is kind of the same. I like that he is two people in one. He has the inner monologues and discussions with... Professor Stein, I think it speaks to me personally because you know what a huge Quantum Leap fan I am. And that's Mm -hmm. essentially really two people. And Al is really just kind of essentially in his headspace and can't do anything, but he can help verbally. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Same concept here. And I think that that situation appeals to me. And this being the episode where they just dropped the nuke on him, because that was kind of a big deal back in 87. Uh, Not only were nuclear arms on everybody's mind, but this moment, I still remember the issue that came before this annual number five has a very iconic cover of like this huge blast and firestorm is almost like just blackened out skeleton on the cover. It's left an indelible image in my mind. So this is an amazing moment in firestorm. I think it gave it a breath of fresh air and a, and a new take. And so I really enjoy it and I'll pass it to Delvin. I didn't have that background that you had, Jared. I had no idea what happened to the issue before. I have no idea what happened to the issue after. So just had this to take in and, It's like, okay, so the book starts with Firestorm being detonated or having being detonated or blown up by a nuclear missile. Okay, that's pretty heavy. (laughs) So we we got that. And then the rest of the book, even though 
I didn't know what was going on. It was self-contained enough that I could understand what was going on that issue. And it seemed like, just like you said, a jump off point where you might be interested to figure out what's going on with the Russian guy and what happened to the professor. There were good elements. So I'll, I'll leave it at that. Let's uh, pass it to Jason. I'm kind of where you were, Delvin. I had no idea what happened before and didn't really know where the story was going. But having said that, I think this issue did do a really good job of, one, entertaining me. I thought there were a lot of great action elements in there. I got to see kind of a, a wide range of Firestorm's powers, so I appreciated that piece of it. And it gave me enough information so I knew, like, okay, so he's two people. And I I kind of knew just from talking with Jerry the, and the, um, the television series that it's Professor St- Stein and Ronnie Raymond. And then so when they separated and it was somebody else, I didn't know who that was, but it made me interested to continue following the story. So yeah, I think it was a pretty good jumping off point for me anyway. That's that's how I felt. Gave me a, a lot of entertainment and kind of made me interested to pick up the next issue. I'll leave it with Pat. I'm kind of in the same kind of camp as Delvin and Jason where I haven't read a lot of Firestorm. I think, in fact, the last one that I read was with Jared when they covered an earlier issue of Firestorm where we have the introduction of Killer Frost. Killer Frost, yes. Thank you. Um, So that's why I was wondering on the cover, he looked different from what I remember in reading that other issue. And then to come to find out that it is Ronnie merging with Macal, and so it made it more interesting. I'm like, because that face on there was just this is just not the face I'm used to seeing. It looked so a little spookier, yeah, a little different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it looks like putting the pieces together that firestorm of the professor and Ronnie went out to fight this Russian guy. I don't know what necessitated the Americans dropping a nuke, but they dropped the nuke on all of them. And that caused the new fusion, which fused the Russian with, with Ronnie. That's what I'm piecing together. That's right. kind of how I read it, too. Yeah. Yeah. OK. Interesting. Yeah. That is interesting. I wonder why they went in such a bold direction. Any ideas, Jared? I think simply because we've gone over 60 issues and needed a shot in the arm. Yeah, to break the normal formula. So I think they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna find a way to fuse him with someone else." Keep in mind, it's 1987, height of the Cold War. Let's fuse him with a Russian. That's and, interesting. You know, yeah, see what happens with. I think that's really why they did it. It worked on me. Uh, I am a Firestorm fan, second only to Shag Matthews. <laughs> uh, I love this book. I love this character. So yeah, I'm glad you guys uh, enjoyed it and you picked up all the right pieces. So that tells me the comic did its job because. I've yeah, read the issues around it. You haven't. It's been years for me. I'm trying to remember. I want to say that Firestorm may have been going on sort of a, some sort of a nuclear de-escalation mission and like doing away with nuclear missiles. And that's why the U.S. was like, uh, nah, dude, get the message. <laughs> can't, can't be doing that. <laughs> and I think that's why it happened. Uh, I do have not 100%. Question. I have another question. I recognize John Ostrander. Mm-hmm. I believe... If I have anything by him, it was that original run of Martian Manhunter. Yes. Back in the 90s. Yes, that was an awesome series. Was John Ostrander writing the book before this issue? Was was he writing Firestorm before this issue? Oh, you got me there, dude. I 
I I know it started with Jerry Conway. I'm not sure if this is where Ostrander takes over or if he did before. Yeah, you got me on that. Yeah, that okay. would be a shag question. Okay. Just curious. Maybe one of our listeners can weigh in. I love it when this happens. Listeners, you know, hit us up on the Twitter or the Facebook or any way you like to get in touch with us. Is this when Ostrander took over? Yeah, um, fill us in. Sometimes, you know, we, we can't do all the research and all the questions on the show, but we love it when y'all participate. Or any. No, but it's more fun when you guys get to participate. So who's mm-hmm. going to bet on this time? Who's going to who's gonna jump in with the right answer? Shag. <laughs> Shag, Shag's a good bet. Timmy. Ah, yes. I always like to go with Tim Price. Tim, Tim will know it. I'm going to go with Kirk Spencer. Ooh. Ooh. That's a well, bad move there. <laughs> Sorry, Kurt. Jason, you'd be yeah. wise to goop up a GLHG right now. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, that really just leaves GLHG for me. Right? <laughs> oh, oh, no love for Dave Collins. Battle Wagon oh, got left. Yeah. If it was a Punisher episode, I'd be all over Dave Collins. That Battle Wagon's got some flat tires. <laughs> I think it's a really interesting story. Like Delvin said, a great jumping on point. And I really would want to read more about what's going on now. Because, yeah. like you said, it's the new kind of, you know, status quo for 87. What's what's happening here? Yeah, I'm with you, dude. I really, even though I read these back in the day, I don't really remember it. So I really want to read 66, 67. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to keep going. That's the beauty of the long box crusade. And it's yeah. curse. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That's true. <laughs> the strength well, maybe your week. next crusade, you could be um, on a firestorm. Yeah. yeah. You could see it on DC Universe. Mm-hmm. Along. Any more on the story? Does anybody have any other burning <laughs> comments? Just, you know what? just want to point out to uh, all the listening audience, everybody, you know, we kind of know this, but this book really illustrates it. This is an insanely powerful character. How many DC mm-hmm. superheroes could survive a nuclear bomb? He turned a helicopter to stone. He mm-hmm. set a plane on fire. He recreated a parachute. He, he made himself intangible. He turned himself intangible. He effortlessly dodged um, projectiles being shot at him. He disabled Mm. tanks, not even touching them per se, touching the ground below them. Yeah. This is, I mean, he's often relegated to B team superhero status, but I mean, he's a Superman level power. He is related or relegated to B team status. And I wonder why. I wonder is, is he so powerful that the, Big writers that come on to like the Justice League and stuff, and they're like, nah, that's just too easy to use them or what? Because I don't think Firestorm even currently has a book right now, but they have like 18 bat books. <laughs> that Last time I was yeah. in comics, Jason Rush was Firestorm, and I liked that series too. Was that the 90s or did, did that make it to 2000s? I was picking that up in Texas, so 2000s. Okay. I don't even know if Jason Rush is still Firestorm or if it's Ronnie Raymond again. I, I couldn't tell you. I think it's back to Ronnie Raymond. I want to say Jason Rush died in one of those big crossovers. Oh, no. Spoiler Ooh. alert. Come on, Delvin. Don't. <laughs> well, with that, let's go ahead and go give our thoughts on the art. And I'll start with Delvin. I was really excited to see that Ross Andrew was drawing the book. It had him listed as guest penciler. So... Looks like he was doing a fill-in job, and it looked like a little bit of fill-in work because maybe it's just it wasn't inked by, of course, the infamous Mike Esposito. It just doesn't look the same, and and maybe and we've had this discussion before when it comes to Ross Andrew. He has very good pencils, 
And he drew some cool and dynamic stuff. Don't get me wrong, but it just does not look the same unless Mike Esposito, his longtime mm. artist partner, is inking him. I just don't know what it is. I think Al Al Williamson was the inker. Was he? No, it was Roy, Richardson. It was Roy, Roy, Roy Richardson. Roy Richardson. All right, sorry. Completely uh, for wrong. a second there, I was like, wow, is this some early Al Williamson? Yeah, completely wrong. My bad. No slide on that anchor. I'm pulling a Jared a little bit there. No sliding the anchor whatsoever. I certainly couldn't do it, but it just is just something that was just a little bit off, even though there's some cool stuff Andrew drew. What do you think, Jared? I agree with you. It's definitely misses the Mike Espadito. <laughs> oh, hey. We also need to remember that this is. You know, Ross Andrews has been drawing at this point now for like 25 years. So it wouldn't surprise me, and I'm not besmirching Ross Andrews, never would. It wouldn't surprise me if he did some sort of loose pencil layouts and then Roy Richardson finished mm. a little more than Mike would have. Mm. But I will say faces look great. They have more detail than I'm used to in Ross Andrew. Military vehicles look spot on. And I mean spot on. Those are incredibly well done. There's a lot of them, too. Yes, and they're a pain to draw. I'm not going to lie. So hats off to the art team. But I do agree with Delvin. The the Ross Andrew flavor that we know from Spider-Man and, you know, I I was reading those fantastic war tales that he was doing with Esposito back in the day. It's not here like it was. This feels a little more like a cookie-cutter comic. Nothing wrong with it. It's good, but it's Ross Andrew... Cookie cutter doesn't sound right. You know what I'm saying? Yep, I do. Still good art uh, overall. And I, I, I guess a good way of saying it is it speaks a lot to who Ross Andrew is that we look at it and it's like, so we're used to just brilliant. And this was good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was very good. But yeah, exactly. I'll let Jason do it. Yeah, I really enjoyed the art in this book and I really appreciated how they laid out the battle scene. That was a pretty massive battle scene. It went for pages and pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. One of my favorites was this one. He's got like seven panels on here and every panel looks really good. And you could tell exactly what's happening. I'm looking at this one where he's like punching his fist into the ground and you see the little atomic structure starting to form around his wrist. And then the earth like erupts and scatters all those soldiers. And then he like drives the fist in further. And then all the tanks start falling into these big crevices. It just looks really good. And it kept me turning the pages. And the colorist, I thought, did a fantastic job here of of just, you know, keeping all the pages bright and crisp. I could tell what what was going on from panel to panel. And there are a lot of panels in here. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I think I enjoyed it probably a little bit more than you two guys, but I, I do, I do get it. We got spoiled with some Ross Andrew and all of our Spider-Man stuff. And, you know, this probably isn't up to that par, but I still think it's very good. And I will pass it to Pat. Jason, I agree with you too. I did enjoy the art in this as well too. And with the layouts that are in it from page to page, there's a lot of story being told and there's no words on it. So it's just really nice to me, good looking art. It is definitely telling me the story. I was like, I was expecting to be more like from the first few pages, there was a lot of words. I'm like, okay, here's a long one here. But then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, 
oh, I'm turning the page. I'm turning the page again. And But I was still invested in the story just from the look and just the, with the new face of Firestorm just got me interested and, and sucked in. And as Jared had said too, the faces are just really more realistic looking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's really visceral too. The, the action scenes where like Firestorm's getting spun around by the jets and, mm-hmm. and the look on his face. And then when he sets that one plane on fire and you see the pilot and the stress in the pilot, that, I, I just think it's laid out really well. And you got to see all we had mentioned in the story, just the different powers that he uses. And so mm-hmm. you got to see that on display in the art form as well too. So I really liked it. I thought it really enhanced the story and, and help it move along. Keep in mind, he was the guest penciler. So I suppose coming up in maybe next issue or very shortly after that, there were the main penciler of the story coming on. He was just doing a filling. And yeah, I guess that's, that's a fair comment too, since we did, you know, say it wasn't up to the usual standards. Well, he's, this is his guest penciler shot. He's not used to this character. I mean, we're seeing Spider-Man after how many issues did Ross draw? Yeah. Ridiculous amount. He's yeah. in the groove. Yeah. There's so, something to be said for getting in the groove on characters. Makes me wonder, if he's the guest, was it because of the annual that somebody was doing? Or maybe mm. because of the ongoing penciler was oh. getting the rest of the series? You know what I mean? Yeah. Since the annual was so important to this story arc, I think you're on to something with the first one. That's my yeah. guess. Another one to throw out there to the yeah to listeners. If you know anything about that, let us know. Yeah. At this point, Shag's gonna be like, "Why the heck didn't you just invite me?" (laughs) (laughs) He knows what he did. (laughs) (laughs) I covered that one like three years ago. (laughs) Probably longer than that. Pat, is it time for me to do my thing? It is time for you to do your thing. All right, boys, you get to meet Ross Andrew, and he's got all the pages from this issue, and you can have one page. What is your favorite page of Ross Andrew art for the issue? Jason, if you're going to do that thing where you scroll around to look, uh, don't forget to mute your mic. Yeah. I'm already there. I've been <laughs> okay. scrolling around. I'm muted, too. You'd be proud of me. I, I've, I've noticed a lot less clicks. I am proud. So you can have one page out of here. Pat, we take Ooh, I'm You know, I'm doing that thing where I just kind of scroll around and look around. <laughs> I like the page where he is, Firestorm is fighting the helicopters and he's like melting the chopper blades. Damn it, that was mine. That was mine too. Was it? Yeah. Wow. Three now of I us gotta, like the helicopter page. Thanks to you, I got to click around now. <laughs> no, no, no. It's okay to like the same <laughs> it's page. It's okay to like the same page. It's okay. Delvin? If I had to pick one, it would be that first page. First page is great. I like just the... Yeah, that aftermath of such a devastating thing that occurred to him where Firestorm was just looking as if it's like, what in the heck just happened? And in this processing it all. And as we found out at the end of the issue, something pretty big did happen because it wasn't the Firestorm that we knew. It was a Russian guy with uh, Robbie, excuse me, Ronnie Raymond. Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely agree with the helicopter page. You know, I've been in the helicopter business and in around army aviation my whole life because of my dad. So that one appealed to me, Jason, similar choice reasons for choice. Yeah. I like the helicopter page as well. I just thought that that showed a couple different powers that he had with the transmuting the rotor blades. It looks like into concrete forming up that fireball and taking out the other helicopter with the fireball. I thought it was really cool. There you have it. All right. Well, with that, we'll go into the last part of this 
segment is, does it bring back any memories? Jason. Well, let's see. What do we say this was, 86, 87? 87. 87. So we were just in Germany at the time. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess it kind of does bring back the Cold War memories where our dad was stationed uh, in Fulda. Uh, he was also a helicopter pilot, which is probably why I like the helicopter page a little bit. Yeah, we were stationed at the Fulda Gap, and yeah, the Cold War was still a big thing back then. So, so yeah, it does bring bring back some Cold War memories. Delvin. Okay. Yeah, 1987. Oof, 10 years old. And I was collecting comic books, but I don't think I was collecting anything other than Transformers at the time. And I'm looking at my collection and seeing that in August 1987, Transformers number 31 came out. Pretty uh, cool cover. I won't spoil it for you, Pat, since you're going to be covering that one of these <laughs> days slash years in Transformers Chronicles. Uh, but it was a, a pretty cool cover. I'm actually aware. I remember what happened in the book, but I will not spoil it for you. But I will say that Buster and his girlfriend, I'm pretty sure Jesse, were in the book. So they do come back. Hmm. Interesting. And now I'm intrigued even more now. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I'm on a different show now. <laughs> yeah, we get around. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> All right, next Wait. round. Jared. Obviously very similar to Jason, just getting to Germany, just getting to the Cold War. This is when Jason and I first started into DC. We were strictly Marvel lads at this point. About this time we got there, uh, one of Jason's friends gave us a box of comics. I probably mentioned that on a previous show. There were some firestorms in there, mm. and I was like, I'm digging this firestorm thing, and that's kind of a rabbit that I chased. Jason didn't chase as much as I did. I think he knew it more in passing, but I, I liked it, and it's something that I continued to chase a little more later in life as well. So it really appealed to me, definitely Cold War stuff. G.I. Joe was also hugely popular at this time, so we got a lot of military vehicles and action going on in, in this book, too. That's probably not coincidental, and just... Yeah, loved it. Loved this time. Great, great time for comics. Matt? 87, man, probably in eighth grade, I think, at this time. Starting to get a little bit more spread out in my comic collecting before it was more G.I. Joe, you know, with the money that I had with my paperboy route. Delivering those papers, making the cash. How much you make on that paperboy route? Oh, boy. I want my $2. You know, it had to be at least 20-some a week or maybe. I don't know. Not too shabby for eighth grade in 1987. That's comic book gold, son. Good times, good times. With that, does anybody have any other comments for fire? this issue of Firestorm? Loved it. Good issue, good issue. Very good book. Very good jumping on point, I think, definitely. Do you ever have an issue of Firestorm on uh, Crusadness? That might have to do something with that this year. <laughs> we have not. No, that's a good. No mm. one has brought Firestorm. Hmm. I'll kick it around. There are a lot to choose from. I might just pick this issue. Save us all time. You can't pick the same one. You can pick sixty-six. We'll see. We'll see. Be here before you know it. Well, with that, that's bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Longbox Crusade Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram page. We will be right back. This year in 2020, we will see DC Comics celebrating the 80th anniversary of Robin. And so will Terrence, Ryan, and myself here on the podcast. 
every other episode this year, well, (laughs) as long as Rob can keep everything straight, will have us following Tim Drake in the 1990s-2000s DC timeline. The following episode, we will be joined by a selection of special guests throughout 2020. The guests will be selecting their favorite Robin in a story that connects them to the character. It could be a comic, movie, animation. Hey, wait. So, like, uh, could we be reading Red Hood and the Outlaws on this show? Or Nightwing? Yeah, that's the idea. Whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, so you're opening the door to not just Tim Drake, but any Robin? Yeah. So does that mean Rick Grayson? Yeah, like the new 52 Helena Wayne, Robin of Earth 2? Heck, even the pre-crisis Robin of Earth 2? Or, dare I even say, Damien? Batman Forever? 1950s Detective and Batman Stories? Batman 66 episode? Batgirl Stephanie Brown? Teen Titans Robin with Wolfman and Perez? Jeff Johns and... Oh no! No! Scott Lobdell? No! Okay, uh, while I give my co-hosts a minute or so to digest all of this information, you can find our show, Robin Everyone Loves the Drake Comic Podcast, through the BatmanUniverse.net podcasting network. Also, available on Apple Podcasts or wherever you traditionally listen to your podcasts from. Now, if you'll excuse me, I think Terrence might need a bottle of water. Or maybe a paper bag. No! New 52! It's gonna be okay, Terrence. It's gonna be okay! Change of Tim Drake's origin. Don't worry, Terrence. Crazy Red Robin costume. It's gonna be okay. Uh, Maybe it won't happen. Welcome back from the break. We hope you liked that promo played from a friend of the show. Now it's time to scan through this featured issue of Firestorm 65 for the top ads that stood out to us in a segment called Add It Up. Here are the ads that stand out to us in this issue. And we'll start with Delvin. Eh, there weren't a ton. I'm going to go with the M&M's ad if for no other reason than M&M's are dang good candy. And they have stood the test of time. I liked them as a kid. I like them now. I have to admit, as a kid, I liked plain. Okay, I was just going to ask that. I like. So. I know. And I, I knew this was going to come up, so I was just <laughs> going to go ahead with my answer. I liked plain more as a kid, but I'm enjoying peanut more now as an adult. Mm-hmm. Now, let me put a spin on this one. You know, I'm assuming in 87, there was either the peanut or the plane. Mm, that's right. But right. now we're in, you know, in the, the peanut or on the plane. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of the others that are out there? There's one now that has like, like the mint flavor in it. And I'm mm. a sucker for anything, man. I love mint. Mm. So like the mint chocolate ones. Absolutely. Mm, okay. I haven't tried those. It's one of the few I haven't tried. I think they come around Christmas time. I, I'm, I'm a sucker for those peanut butter ones, man. Oh, yeah. Peanut butter ones are good. I mean, they may as well be Reese's Pieces, which also very underrated candy. So your first choice is plain or peanut, or and then you can do your alternate with the, mm. the future, future uh, M&Ms. So. If I just had to go with reg- the original ones, I'll go peanut now, and okay. then I will go with the mint flavored ones. Okay. Jason? Hmm. Well, I'm going to choose the one that Jared pointed out. I'm going to choose the Gamma Marauders game because I actually had that game and it was kind of fun. It was fun. I think he wants to know what M&M's you are. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, I thought I made that clear. The peanut ones, but well, it's your backup for, for the backup. new flavors. Yeah. 
the peanut butter. Oh, okay. Clearly, yeah. Clearly. <laughs> like was like clearly. Now I will okay. say because the plain M and M's because I ate a lot of MREs back when I was in the when I was in the army, and so you you learned which which MREs had the M and M packs in them. So you could you get the plain M and M packs. At one time, I got I pulled out of an MRE a pack that was advertising for the '88 Seoul Olympics. What year did you eat the MRE? Oh, it was in Iraq in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> so. Stays crispy even in milk. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So it's, don't think I didn't eat that song. <laughs> oh, I figured you did. Hey, I'll weigh in, Pat. I know you're going to ask me. Sure. Uh, peanut from the original. Okay. Jason's right. Peanut butter is the superstar of the more modern era. I would like to give uh, honorable mentions to both pretzel M&M's of the modern era. And I recently tried the coffee ones. And I'm not a big coffee guy, but they were good. They were good. Anyway, Pat. I am going to say peanut M&M as well, too. And my alternate is, no one had mentioned this one, is the caramel. I haven't tried it. I I haven't tried it. The caramel is good. I haven't tried it. Oh, it's definitely very good. Try it. It doesn't make me hungry. I know. I'm making myself hungry. Take a break for a snack. That's not good for me. Going up to Walgreens, get some M&M's. <laughs> <laughs> so, you got a favorite M&M out there? Let us know at on the Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram, at Longbox Crusade. We'd love to hear what your favorite M&M is. Now, Jason, if you want to go ahead and tell us what your favorite ad is. The TSR Gamma Riders on the back cover. That's my choice. I had that game when I was a kid, and it was just kind of fun. I liked it. I want to piggyback off of that to say mm-hmm. I loved it as well. And Gamrodder's actually got its own DC comic that ran for a few issues, and I've read a lot of them. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've seen that. Basically, it's a post-apocalyptic game that you play, and you have, like, clans that have, like, little soldiers. But then you have, like, a super mutated animal that you could put different weapons on yeah like and almost like a cyborg animal there's like a giant ape like king kong and oh okay yeah, yeah. dinosaur and it's, it's got like a real fun creative edge to it yeah you put like rocket launchers on them gatling mm. guns stuff like that so battle beasts yeah cool Sounds somewhat like warhammer today yeah, but it definitely yeah. had more of a fun vibe to it than a strong militaristic to it it was more flippant and fun Okay, interesting. Yeah, Jason and I played a few times. He had the game. Have you ever seen it out in the wild in your yard hunting days? I have never seen Game Rodders out there. I've seen the comics, and I've picked them up, but I've never seen the game itself. I would definitely, seen... definitely snag it up again if I did, just because yeah. I enjoyed playing it uh, with hmm. Jason. And I didn't really like a lot of the RPG games back then, because they're all kind of mentally demanding, and I'm five years younger than Jason. So when yeah. he's at the height of it, I'm like, eh, I want to play Clue, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> But uh, I like that one, so definitely would. And I, you know what? Go ahead and mark me down. That's going to be my favorite ad from this one as That's well. Favorite. So okay. We can pass it right to you, Pat. Well, I am going to go with the pimple ad. Pimple ain't easy. I really, that brings no. me back. If I laugh at that, it's encouraging you. <laughs> kind of funny. A little bit. A little bit. Just like funny because it crossed the line into stupid. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to be serious here about my I'm, so, I'm sorry. We, we always have you guys are just throwing part. me off. Yeah. It always happens when I'm trying to talk. You guys sorry, to you. sorry to pop your pimple, Pat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go away, head. You either guys are on the pimple or you're off the pimple. What's it going to be? 
I just don't understand it. So, you know, (laughs) you know, in 1987, like I said, I was a eighth grader growing up. I'll narrate. I was going through some changes. I was going through some personal changes in In my body. (laughs) And so, you know, having that stuff to help me keep myself clean and fresh, you know, was what you needed to have. Summer's Eve? I don't have an ad for Summer's Eve in here. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> we have every round of. I'm gonna swear I'm going on mute. I couldn't help myself. No, that's funny. Oh well. Speaking about that, let's go ahead and get into the. Oh, so you know, going with the uh, oxy? <laughs> yeah, I'm going with the oxy clean. I like that a lot. I remember buying that, and I, I remember buying the little. Pads, uh, yeah, the pad. I used the pads. pads I did too. They had you the could, cream, yeah. You could clear a crime scene with those pads. <laughs> <laughs> this ad, it's I a two-page ad. It's a two-page ad. You had to like figure out the clever name for two pimples born on the same day, which I think is like Twimples or something like that, and the pimple that keeps returning. And what's funny is for years, I was like, it's come yeah, back. I couldn't here. figure out what it was. <laughs> I was like, rack- I've racked my brain for years and years and years, and then I realized. The answers are in the ad, and they're uneven, well hidden. And you know when I realized that? About upon, the time you started playing Game Marauders. Upon the reading of this issue for this <laughs> podcast, <laughs> I was like, "Wait, what the hell? The answers are in the ad? I've tortured myself for like it's been 30 a years. for forty years. I've been trying to solve. I really have. If it were a pimple, it would have bit you. Yeah. <laughs> that pimple would have consumed my whole head by now, man. Jared's up late at night just for like. I don't know why I wake up like four o'clock in the morning and I'm just spinning my head and I'm I, sweating because I'm in my dreams. I'm trying to figure out this ad from what was the G answer. You are not far off. And every time I would see one in an old issue, I'd be like, I never did figure out what that second one is. But then I'm, this time around, I realized I never did actually read the ad. Well, I'm there glad. You go. Rating's you fundamental, were able kids. To figure it out. Yeah. And that's one to grow on. Mm-hmm. Does anybody out in listener land have a comment on this? Let us know. You can email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram page. Now, let's continue on with the next segment called Way Back in Time. Once again, it is time to take another revealing peek back into history. Date shall I set it to today, Mr. Peabody? November 1987. Here's some major news from November. Now, on November 3rd, Mark McGuire wins Rookie of the Year of the Oakland A's. He was the second person to ever win it with a unanimous vote. The only person who won it before him with a unanimous vote, at least in the American League, not sure about the National League, was Carlton Fisk. So I yeah, no. I didn't know that. Way to go, Kingpin. <laughs> so I was like, what? Did he play baseball? What, it's catcher. what position did he play? <laughs> also on the 3rd of November, Gordon Gould wins his 30-year battle to be credited as the inventor of the laser. Laser is an acronym. Most people don't know that. It's light amplified by stimulation, emission, radiation. As long as you say it in quotes. It's, it's, that <laughs> I'm is... going to try to have an after effect so, for every so, one of these. <laughs> so I, I've just caught – I've just got asked. So 
Now that you're wearing these glasses, does it make you feel smarter? Yes. Moving on. You Wait know, the hear my after facts for Delvin's. My after fact for Delvin's going to be amazing. Moving on. On the 12th of November, the first KFC opens in mainland China at Tiananmen Square. That is delicious. <laughs> That's that going to be mine. It was delicious. Now, Delvin, hmm? we all know the minute you came in here. <laughs> Here I was <laughs> thinking that chicken is delicious. It is. Little did I know I was genetically predisposed. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> this next one, I'm going to wrap it up. But it's not the last one. <laughs> but it's not the last one. Uh, the 13th of November, the first condom television commercial airs in the UK. I think they were the first one to air a condom television commercial, period. Maybe wrong, but... That's when it all started. A fact which was addressed in Lethal Weapon 2. 2. Thank you. Or no, it was 3. three it was 3, wasn't it? Was it was 3, yeah. all grown up then. Yeah, yeah. Well, on November 22nd, two Chicago TV stations hijacked with bizarre Max Headroom performance. Yeah, about 30 to 60 seconds, two separate stations. Completely got taken over to this day. I don't think they still know what happened. By Max Headroom? By a dude in a Max Headroom mask, like just being all silly for a while. Like they're not even sure how their signal got boosted. Oh, okay. I thought maybe that was like some kind of a promotional kind of thing. Weird. Early yeah, hackers. Go ahead, dude. Well, Jared Delvin are going to be jealous that I got this one. But on the 27th of November, Auburn beats Alabama 10 to nothing in the Iron Bowl. Oh, who wrote the facts on this one? <laughs> <laughs> what, what, where is Elburn? <laughs> I'm not looking like at the stream yard right now. Jared, are you staring at Pat? Mm-hmm. Like, yes. <laughs> good, good. We're not answering the question. We're moving on. All right. I'm on sorry. 20, Go on the 29th of November, Joe Montagna. Joe Montagna. the actor. Ray Montoya. <laughs> sorry. Joe Montana sets the record. Uh, with 22 consecutive completed passes. I bet Jerry Rice caught a bunch of those. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that seems to be like, yeah, he, he had a good uh, he had a good receiver there. We'll just leave mm-hmm. it at that. He had a great one, an all-timer. That's a combo, a one-two combo that football rarely sees. Some could argue I've never seen anything since. Great combo, Montana and Rice. You know what else mm-hmm. is a great combo? Like gravy and rice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like the pizza combos. <laughs> I think we're gotten into snacks again. Also on the 29th of November, the New Orleans Saints posted a win that night. Now, why is that newsworthy? Well, that actually locked in their first ever winning season. So congratulations, Saints. In 1987, you had your first winning season. And little known fact, Drew Brees was a rookie that year. <laughs> I say, Drew Brees was in his sixth year. <laughs> Uh, clown him all you want. That dude has some talent. He oh, does. Definitely. Well, let's go ahead and keep rolling into some movies released for November 1987. On November 6th, Less Than Zero. Heard of it? Never seen it. Robert Downey Jr. in that? I want to say yes. That's what sounds right to me. Mm-hmm. Anybody? Takers? Anybody ever seen it? No. Okay, nope. let, let me just cut this. Jason, have you seen it? <laughs> no. <laughs> Tell me this. <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you know, I ain't seen it. Also, on November sixth, hiding out. I think I've seen this, John Cryer. I think so. I he think was. Uh, I think he was hiding out. 
Yes. Um, I, for some reason. <laughs> was that the one where the guy had to go like back into high school? Yes, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, he was I, hiding out there. Yeah, he was hiding out at high school. Yeah. Yes. I'm pretty sure that was Billy Madison. <laughs> That's like what my IMDb. snack pack. That's the IMDb of our crew. Tied it out from something. Does the, does the D stand for duh? Motivated. Right. Moving on. Uh, also on 6th of November, Ruskies. I saw it, but I don't remember it real well. I know some Russian sub runs aground near New England. And basically, the this is cold where I think the local town has to decide whether to help them or like turn them in. I think it ends up being a story of friendship and helping them. Yeah, boo. Jason <laughs> <laughs> booed peace and friendship. <laughs> On the 11th of November, Death Stalker 2 came out. And to some people's surprise, but not Delvin's, I've actually seen this movie. <laughs> I don't think you ever saw Deathstalker 1. They did. I think the only reason I've seen Deathstalker 2 is I think it was done on an episode of Mystery Science Theater. It was either part two or part three that they did. There's been a couple of that. There was a third? I think so. Why? They're like really just low budget sort of Conan movies. They're fun to watch. Just You know, like Mystery Science Theater movies are fun to watch because they're just, you know, bad. (laughs) uh, Anyway, Deathstalker 2. On November 12th, Cherry 2000. Heard of it, never seen it. Same with me. Was that yeah. like a like an after-atomic war or some sort of a... I don't know, but guessing that of, of movies in 87, you're like, you've got like a 50-50 chance of being okay. right. Most of them. Yeah. I think it was something about some cherries in, in the year 2000. <laughs> there was like somewhere there, between 1,999 cherries and 2,001 cherries. And they added one more cherry and then they cherry 2,000. <laughs> If you got the number right, if you guessed the number right, you want a free movie ticket. <laughs> oh, Lord. All right. Well, at least at least there's a good movie coming, I think. Is it Jason's turn? Yes, yes. And I know this one. On November 3rd, it's The Running Man. I'll be back. Only, Only in a rerun. <laughs> that was a good movie. That was. I watched the heck out of that movie. I watched yeah, that. man. That's a great flick. Yeah. That was a good movie. Arnold. And on the 20th of November, Teen Wolf 2 comes out. Starring? Michael J. Fox. Close, mm-hmm. but no cigar. Justin Bateman. Yeah. Bateman, wasn't it? Oh, Jason, Jason Bateman. Bateman. Oh, Jason Bateman. Jason yeah. Bateman, who is still cranking out comedic hits to this day. Mm-hmm. There's a talent. Like, in 87, if I had told you this guy is going to be still super relevant <laughs> in 2020, would you, be, yeah. would you believe me? <laughs> well, he, he had his downtime, and mm-hmm. then he came back big with the rest of development. Yes, yeah. sir. He just did a um, The Outsider, uh, Stephen King's The Outsider for HBO. Mm. They did a miniseries that he starred in and produced. Awesome. It was really good. All right, well, also on the 20th of November was Flowers in the Attic. Once again, heard of it, never seen it. Pretty sure it was based on the novel. Got nothing. Got nothing on it. All right, well, I got no good movies, but there's two more good movies to come. Pat, give us a good movie. All right, here comes a good movie. On Ooh. November 26th, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Yes. Was in the theaters. You. I watch it every Thanksgiving. Oh, that's such a great movie. I like to, you know what I like to do? I like to get in bed. And cut up with two pillows. <laughs> Those yeah, are pillow pillows. Those aren't pillows. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. Quick thing for those of you who love planes, trains, and automobiles like I do. 
or maybe don't quite love it as much, but still like it. Here's the point. One of those movies that has an after credit scene. Stay through the credits. Yeah, it's funny it's, too. It's pretty funny. It's very short, but definitely if you know the movie well and you paid attention in the beginning, wink, the after credit scene, will you will get a kick kick out of it. Do you know how fast we're going? Uh, I know the uh, speedometer here kind of melted away. Melted. <laughs> right. The radio still works great, though. So <laughs> it's the hardest thing. All right. Well, those of us who've seen it, we got to do this. Hardest laugh you have in the movie. I've got to say, when they go between the two semis and Steve Martin looks over and John Candy has turned into the devil. <laughs> <laughs> Every time. I lose it. Pat, you like the pillow scene? Yeah, you know, that's one that I remember. But Classic. it's been a long time since I've seen it. <laughs> It's been a long time since I've seen it as well, so I'm going to let you down with a good memory, Jerry. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, mine, mine is when he goes in and confronts the rental, the car oh. rental. Like, <laughs> with the F words. The sweet place. What an effing car. <laughs> Four effing wheels, an effing engine, and an effing steering wheel. Oh, did you keep your receipt? I threw, I threw it, it away. away. Oh, dear. Oh, dear what? Your effed. <laughs> <laughs> that was just a great funny. movie. Yeah. Maybe that doesn't make the cut, but I just, I had to know. <laughs> had to know. I love it. Speaking of great movies. Oh, I guess it's me. Three Men and a Baby. Oh, I like that one a lot. That was fun. Yes, it was. It came out on the 27th of November. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry. 27th of November. Three Men and a Baby. I saw that. Jason was there. We watched it at a theater in Italy. We were on vacation and we went and saw that. Yeah. Oh, did we? I didn't. Mm-hmm. We were camping that. in no. Italy and we went and saw it. It was directed by Pat. I'll give you a hint. It's visual, though. Oh, Leonard Nimoy? Correct. It was. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Really? Yes. Leonard Nimoy directed that film and it's very. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. Timeless movie. Did you know there's a ghost in that movie? <laughs> there's not a ghost in that movie. <laughs> How many of us did you ever go? Anybody ever go back with your VCR and try to of course. see that point? And <laughs> of course, it, it was Fun. funny because it has a lot to do with definition. Because on a VHS tape on an old TV, you could make a case for a ghost, but once DVDs came, you could clearly tell that it was a cardboard cutout of Ted Danson himself. Hey, but that was really cool. I like all those little kind of mystery things. Mystery, like yeah. Oh yeah. man, it was a big one when we were kids. Yeah. Delvin Jerry no about way. the ghosts in that movie, or is that a white people thing? I would say it's a white people thing. I'll say, <laughs> I'll, I'll say it's a Delvin never heard of it thing. Uh, check with Miranda. That'll solve that mystery. Mm-hmm. Yes, I will. I'll ask her. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get to the top three songs according to Billboard at this time. And they were... Number three, and I'm surprised because we did not see Dirty Dancing anywhere in the movies in November 1987. Number three song is... I've had the time of my life by Bill Metley and Jennifer Warnes. Had the time of my life. No, I never felt this way before. Never felt yes, I swear it's a truth, and I'll. Makes me wonder if the movie came out in October, or maybe if it came out in December and the soundtrack had just came out early. 
I watched the special on that on the movies that made us on Netflix. Excellent little documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've actually never seen Dirty Dancing, but I really, Me too. Enjoyed, <laughs> I really enjoyed the special. And I learned that when they were looking for that key song for the movie, which was I've had the time of my life. This was the 80s. So they literally had a brown bag full of people who had submitted songs on cassettes, a brown grocery oh, sack cool. full of cassettes. And they were playing them. No, no, no. No, and according to the documentary, they got to literally the last <laughs> cassette, and it was this song, and it killed in the charts. Yeah, and a good song. I owe it all to you. And I I'll do the lady part. I don't care. It's a great song. Great song. Fun song. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> That sounds very similar to his butter butter butter. Butter 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 butter. But it's his time of life music. <laughs> and oh, by the way, they filmed the final big dance scene to that number. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the song yet at the time. The dance scene is done just to the metronome <laughs> timing. Like when they filmed it live, really? there's no music. Wow. They were just going to a beat and they made the song fit it. Anyways. That's crazy. Patrick Swayze was going all out too yeah. for that movie, man. Yeah. He had like a busted up knee, and yeah, yeah. he was That's sexy. Good. I stand by it. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody puts baby in a corner. Still, never seen it. Anyways, let's move on to the number two song, which I'm also a big fan of. It's "Money Money" by Billy Idol. Come on, come on. Here she come now, singing "Money Money." Hey, hey, what? Hey, everybody, get laid, get beeped. <laughs> oh, I, did, I didn't know if everybody did that. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's universal. Yeah. It's a crowd pleaser. I'm going to nod like I know what we're talking about. <laughs> I don't. Oh, they didn't I'm do that in Germany? I'm getting the fact there's a crowd chant that goes with this. Yeah, the villain after uh, Here She Comes Now say money, money. People yeah. say, come on, everybody, get laid, get beeped. Hey, What's the hey, beat? What? Get, get, get the beep is. Oh, oh. queer. Okay. <laughs> and I don't want you to tell us what the number one song is. I want you to sing the number one song. Oh, okay. So for this song, I need somebody to lay me down some beats on this one. Okay. The beginning beats of it. Give me a second. Do you want me to tell you what it is? I know the first line, but I can't remember how like it. It's some 80s Children behave. Jason just jumped in on your spot. That's what we say when we're together. Running just as fast as we can. Holding on to one another's hands. Trying to get away into the night. Then you put your arms around me and we stumble to the ground and then we say, I think we're alone now. No, no. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I, I did a Crusaders Chronicle that had Journey songs in it, and Jason was all like, "That's one of the girls." <laughs> and you're singing, "I think we're alone now." <sighs> yeah, it's a little hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it was Tiffany. You can't go wrong with Tiffany. Oh, Didn't Weird Al do? I think I'm a clone now. Yes, he did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> oh, good old word. That's a good song. You know what? That that's a good song, Tiffany. I got nothing against it. Nothing at all. 
when I would DJ and put that song on, man, that dance floor just would just get packed. I think it's a remake of a 60s song. It is. It's going to bug me until I figure out who the original artist is. Talk amongst yourselves. Keep going. It's a guy band. What? I said it's a guy band. Oh. The Shandells? Or, we, we don't have to pause. We can keep going. Anyway. You're that right. It's Tommy James and the Shandells. You're absolutely right. Nailed it. Christata, DJ. Well, with that, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question. Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com. You can also follow and leave a comment on Twitter at longboxcrusade. We will be right back. The Incredible Hulk and the Twins of Evil. In a mind-boggling attempt to destroy the Green Goliath, the Abomination and Wendigo join forces. Alone I can fight you to a standstill. Together we can render you helpless. Hulk only wants to fight fair. The deadly duel leave the Hulk defeated. But suddenly... It's the Hulk. Keep away. Hulk no like people. It's okay, Hulk. We'll help you. You got to have something to eat, Hulk. Here. Have a hostess fruit pie. Hostess fruit pie? You'll like the real fruit filling. And how about that light flaky crust? Hulk happy now. Hulk thanks, boys. The green gargantuan crashes off into the forest. I'm glad we have hostess fruit pies to share with the Hulk. He ate them all. Apple, women, and cherry. In a strange way, I think he knows we're his friends. Now Hulk take care of unfinished business. You get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Fruit Pies. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, likes, and shares in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs our Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from Jared's online store, theyardsellartist.com, early access to special long box episodes, voting to determine show content, a quarterly newsletter, and so much more. So these are the folks reaping the benefits and giving some much appreciated support to the show. Thank you for being a friend. And Helica Wolf, Bill from the Bat Pod, Blasted or Stash It, Bob Buster, Braxton Underwood, David Collins, Gene Hendricks, Gerald Green, I the Collector, Ivor Evans, Jeremy L., Jim Jarman, Joe Thomas, John Watson, John and Maggie, Jose Poyo, Maxwell Traver, Miranda W., Paul Hicks, Reggie Hancock, Rick of Jeff and Rick Present, Ronald Went, Ross Michaud, Ryan Daly, Samantha Maney, Sean Urbanski, Steve Cronin, Tim Price, Toronto Cop, and one-time donor Bradford Williams. If we missed anyone on our list, we apologize. Please keep in mind that we record these episodes well in advance of release, so if you're a recent addition, we should be adding you soon. But still, no worries. Just let us know we miss you by sending an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com and we will get it straightened out. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member as long as you're not Jason by heading over to patreon.com and searching for Longbox Crusade. For as little as $1 a month, you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club. Come check it out. Don't have any extra scratch lying around, but still want to help us out here at LBC headquarters? Please take a moment to write a review on iTunes for this podcast. Even if you just want to keep it short with just star ratings, it helps raise the profile of the show and we will share your review on the next show. So we'll move on to social media, like, shares, and retweets. This is about Longbox Crusade, episode 21, where we discuss the Phantom Stranger, number eight, from 1970. 
Here are the folks who did some likes and shares and some retweets. We're kicking it off with Pat. You want to give me a beat? I'll give you a beat. Okay. <laughs> Unpacking the power of the power pack because it ain't no power like the power pack power because the power pack power don't stop, don't stop. There ain't no power like the power pack power because the power pack power don't stop. Say what? I think we're alone now. I think we're unpacking. Another podcast around. I think Jeff is dead now. <laughs> I think he's buried six feet underground. <laughs> Podcasters behave. <laughs> That's what they say when we're together. <laughs> you can stop that. You can stop. This is going to keep on going. Next, we have Tim Price. Next is Nethead. Dave Collins. That was just a crazy old man. Battle wagon. Jared. Oh, sorry. I'm sorry. Let me correct that. Battle van. Battle van is the name of Dave Collins' son. So when you see his son, make sure you call him Battle van. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when you see that kid, be like, what up, Battle van? <laughs> Battle van in the house. All right. Let me move on. Professor Frenzy. It's it a show. Two. Infinity and Trick or Talk. <laughs> Mixing a whole new movie universe. That has nothing to do with Trek. It's from Buzz Lightyear. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. It's Toy yeah. Story. Anyway, Warlord Worlds. Fan Film Fridays. Coffee and Comics. Kurt Spencer. Chris at BTO and Bat Books. Let it roll. Green Lantern HG Double Vision Comics and Double Vision Comics. Very well, good, good, good job. I was a bit disappointed if you. I didn't work something in there. Bill Dunleavy, Ivan Chutley, Hal Jordan. Foster H. Coker Third, James Charles Hutley. Grant Carlton. Eric List. Jerry Green. And Gene Hendricks. We'll move on to social media comments from old Ben Juan Dave Collins. He said he got all caught up on my drive. Listening to mul- multiple shows, I can't be sure of exact times, but my trademark saying, you suck as a fighter and you lie was used at least five times, so someone owes me 25 cents. We will be Venmoing you that quarter as soon as we get your Venmo account. Mm-hmm. Yes, that quarter is Agreed. Yours. Well, money well spent. Absolutely. <laughs> Next comment I will take uh, from maybe first-time commenter John Hall in reference to The Phantom Stranger. He said he bought the whole series when it came out, and he still has it, and it's one of his all-time favorites, which led us to ask him, because we were all very confused about The Phantom Stranger's power set, and John gave the perfect answer because he didn't tell us. <laughs> because The Phantom Stranger is still Phantom. But he did say his powers are very mystic, but not specific in the beginning. Very mysterious and unknown. And he can travel on the edge of the mystical plane, but is not super comparable maybe to Constantine in some ways. And he's better to find later on. So he didn't tell us what those powers were, but... I'm still confused. There's still a mystery, and I just really appreciate uh, a new commenter 
on the show. I hope John picks it up and listens and lets us know some more of his thoughts. Here, here. Mm-hmm. Uh, next comment that we got is actually an email that was sent in to us from our friend of the show, Sean Urbanski. Oh, what up, Sean? And Sean says... It's not a live show, is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> but hello, Sean. He, thanks for sending the okay, comment. Okay, it's in. <laughs> Sean writes us, and you can write us too by going to contact at longboxcrusade.com. And Sean says, fellas, just finish enjoying LBC 21. Revile that our democracy still functions, i.e. the issue, no pun intended. I voted for Juan. Lately, I've been grabbing 70s horror mysteries and other non-superhero books when I find them. Agree that many of these books are good to great reads, often with great art, and heck, I just love the books of the era. I'll be looking for Phantom Stranger on my next visit to a big city comic shop. The advertisements, yes. We use the Hot Wheel tracks as swords. Ha ha! I think that was me that said that. Didn't everyone? Well, I did, for sure. Never saw an Aurora model kit in real life, but came across great Aurora ads in a Forever People issue that I thought you'd get a laugh out of. Oh, that was the moon base model. The Delvin No, thing. this one was, oh yeah, that was. Wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. <laughs> Sean sends a picture of it like Frankenstein Vampirilla and some doctory gynec guy. Cool. As their ads, yeah, in this Forever People ad. He says, finally, the Carpenters sing along. <laughs> Talk about lame. Totally. Why? I can live with it if you can. So, oh, he's doing the bit from Tommy Boy. <laughs> Every time I'm here. And he says, I know different Carpenter songs, but LBC crew delivered the same heart, chemistry, and harmony as Farley and Spade. Oh. <laughs> That's very sweet. Yes. Almost forgot. I love the humor. Keep in touch with the inner 12-year-old and you will never grow old. Sincerely thanks, you guys. Sean. Thank That's you, Sean. Awesome. Hey, who, Sean. Who is Juan and why did he vote for him? I vote for Juan. W-O-N. He probably meant to say the one he voted for won. He probably voted oh, for okay. Stranger well, on our online poll. Could and be. That's what it is. Well, awesome, Sean. Man, that's great. Thanks for sending us an email. It's good to know that you're you're tuned in. And we yeah. can sing Carpenter's hits whenever you want. 75% of us can sing Carpenter's hits whenever you want. Correct. All Carpenter's hits sung come with 25% disappointed looks from the crew. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> Well, we got one here from Green Lantern HG, and he says, And somebody steal the trophy from Jared. I almost dropped my phone with his black licorice. I think she was a girl. (laughs) (laughs) I remember that. That was fun. I think he's saying that you're getting the trophy, Jared. Yeah, well, I've I've won them all this calendar year, so Uh, nice to see it in print. Appreciate it, GLHG. Anybody wants to borrow a trophy, I've got them to spare. So, thanks to everyone for the follows, likes, shares, and comments. We appreciate your friendship and help in spreading the word about this podcast. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website longboxcrusade.com where the posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to thank Jared, Jason, Delvin for joining me on this episode. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jason. You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or Jason Albrick on Facebook. Delvin. You can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. Jared? You can find me at Yard Sale Artist. That's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And I'm also now on YouTube. So if you would check mm-hmm. out Yard Sale Artist on YouTube and give my channel a subscription, that would be great. Doing a lot of live drawings there, having some fun. Pat? Yep. Check it out. Oh, yes, Jared. 
supposed to ask you in the script. Oh, okay. Well, Jared, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat and be entered to win some free stuff on our live raffles, join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream over on the YouTube. We do them on the second Sunday of every month, and we always start at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox Crusade on YouTube. Please subscribe to our channel and click the bell so you'll get reminder notifications for when we go live. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode of Longbox Crusade. Got a comment or a question? Email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care, and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read it all! Intro music is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 99. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Pat, have you finished reading the comic yet? Mm hmm. Okay, just checking. Oh, that's what we're waiting on? I assumed. What happened? What happened, Pat? What happened in it? Yeah, because I haven't read it. Well, you see, Firestorm was on fire. And then there was people storm. came and they tried to blow him up. <laughs> oh, yeah. In the storm. <laughs> and somebody's like, there's some fire going on there. And so... Did you really not read this comic? <laughs> I'm kidding. I the tanks it. came and they went pew pew. I read it before I went on vacation, so it's been a minute. Then the airplanes came and read. they went pew pew. Finished it. <laughs> And then the tanks. Thanks. There's a pew pew and a zap yeah, and zap then, zap and a swoop swoop and a boom boom mm. swoosh. Ooh, that's not a bad idea. New segment for the show. Jason reads the comic sound effects only. Fazam! Warobe! Fazam! Whoosh! Buddha 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 Swoop Swoop Whoosh! And then we could be like, if you want to read along with Jason doing the sound effect. <laughs> You'll notice the time to turn the page. And Jason says, Buddha, Buddha. Buddha. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go old school coke bike. When you hear Jason sniff like this. <laughs> you have a sniffle tonight. Old so. Yeah, you gotta have a sniffle. All right. <laughs> now, before we get started with this episode, read them all. Alexander Hamilton. Aaron Burr. It's been too long since we've done this bit. The one, the only. Well, there's more. Okay, sorry. What? Who is it? Oh. I thought you the suspense there. I know. I thought I thought you were waiting for me to say. Okay. Okay. It's already delivered. It's a two-year-old. It's walking. And Sean Connery says, I played a Spaniard. And so I used my acting skills and used my Spaniard voice. And I sounded like this. My name is Juan Filoros from Yats. And it went to the lion. I was a Berber. <laughs>
So I use my voice like this. I'm a Berber. <laughs> Hunt for Red October. <laughs> Russian. Russian. You could tell I tone it down a little bit. I'm like, full speed ahead. <laughs> well, with that, let's begin. You'll know it's time to start the podcast when Jason does this. Buddha, 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 Buddha. <laughs> let's begin now. Pat reading things that other people wrote yeah. should be its own podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Along with Jason. Technically, <laughs> what's in your long box? What's in your long box? What what is in your long box? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. Hustler. Try to get away into the night. Then you put your arms around me and we tumble to the ground and say, We out. I'm so fancy. Jared's still muted. I'm waiting for the show to start. Oh, we couldn't hear you. I'm saying, wait on you. Why? I couldn't hear you say that. All I heard was, Now I'm going to mute. I'm mute. I'm going to mute too. Now I'm off mute. Going back on mute. I'll mute now. I'm going back. I'm now so, unmuted. What's your mute voice sound like? I can barely hear the song you say. I really just don't think you're strong enough. No matter how hard I try, you push it to me, a sign and a care. Better, better. I keep talking to you. I'm so sad that you're leaving. It's gonna take time to believe it. But after all, I said it was done. And you're gonna be the lonely one. No. Do you believe in my love? Okay. Oh, yeah. I feel something inside to say. I can feel something inside the same. I really don't think you're strong enough now. 